All right. Thank you for tuning in to the Utmost Performance podcast. Today, I have special guest Idos Ibadin, who is a professional track and field athlete who runs for the District Track Club. And he is sponsored by Under Armour. He's out in the D.C. area. Idos, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to hop in this podcast. All right. Well, let's uh, let's jump right into it, man. Uh, I, I'm going to start from the beginning. I didn't know you uh, not a week ago, maybe a week and a half ago. However, I came across uh, your name because uh, social media uh, can be a bad thing, but a lot of times it is a wonderful thing. And I came across somebody had retweeted one of your tweets because uh, something pretty special happened uh, here recently. Can you walk us through what that was? Yeah. Um, so basically what happened was, you know, during the midst of this pandemic, there's not a lot of track meets going on. And so District Track Club, we're able to put on some time trials with FAT official timing. And I was able to run a very huge PR of 144.81 in the 800 meters. And that was, was that your first time going under 145? Yes, that was my very first time. My previous PR was 145.6. Man, huge huge congratulations on that. Uh, yeah. And so that tweet got, you know, retweeted, uh, all of a sudden I, I know that, um, you know, your notoriety went up, uh, given the fact that that tweet came out there. But the interesting thing about that was you didn't just say you had run one forty four eight, right? Like your tweet was actually, can you, can you explain to those listening? Like, what was your, what was your tweet? If you remember which one it was, the one that I'm referencing. Yeah, so basically the the reason why I tweeted that was just because I was it was like later in the day and I was just fully processing what just happened and I was just like, man, I really ran one forty four the other day, and this is the same guy who never made an NCAA final. I never made only made NCAA's in eight hundred one time in college. I was only got one scholarship offer out of college, and I was never an All American in high school. And so I said, then where your story starts isn't where it ends. Yeah. And your tweet, uh, one of them that you put out, that was, that was one of the tweets that you put out. Uh, the, the one that, the one that I was referencing was, man, you went through, uh, you went through the progression of your 800 meter times through the years. Like you listed all of your personal bests. I can't remember what year you started in, but the very first year that you, posted within this tweet, uh, you weren't even under two minutes. I, I want to say it was a 205, I think, right? Yeah. Uh, if yeah. I'm correct. Yeah. And what year was that? That was 2009. Okay. So, uh, th yeah, man, that was just, I, I just, I read that and I instantly was like, I got to reach out to this guy. I want to try to get this guy on the podcast because I just felt I, I, I like I was so um, inspired by that. And, and I just love to see that because yeah, it, it was 09, 205, and now I'm talking to you here, and you're <laughs> you're you're 20 seconds better than that. Uh, but it took you because we're in 2020. It took you 11 years, right, to uh, to get down 20 seconds, and um, so that's kind of what initially drew me to you was that, and then all of a sudden the more digging that I'm doing, um, you know, the more I'm just like, okay, you know, I, I kind of, I kind of see where he's coming from. So talk to me a little bit about, um, you know, you, you weren't an all American, you know, you didn't have all of these accolades, but dude, you're one forty four eight now you're like world-class. Right. So talk to me about, was that motivating for you? Like, was that the chip on the shoulder? Like I'm going to prove people wrong or do you kind of turn that on and off? Sometimes do you use that to fuel you, but other times you find that it's actually more harmful than, than beneficial. Like what's kind of, how does that, how do you handle that? Yeah. So for me, just, you know, not having those accolades and I felt as though I could have had those accolades in college, especially, um, a lot of my college coaches told me that I could run, you know, in the 145 and 146 range, and I just haven't, wasn't able to fully put it together. And so when I left college and continued running, 
that was my main motivating factor was I wanted I really want to see my full potential in this sport. And I know that I'm way faster than what my college PR was. And so to finally be able to run those 145s and 144s now is just a huge blessing and just a testament to the potential that my coaches saw from many years ago. Yeah. And like, it's just, if, you know, I'm sitting here talking to you and, and we rewind the, you know, we rewind the clock and go back, you know, four or five years or whenever, obviously when you weren't running under 145 and they say to you, Hey, we believe that you can do this. I mean, there's a tremendous amount of faith that goes into that. Isn't there like, cause you haven't done it. Right. But you just yeah. have, this, you just have this intuition, right? You just have this belief that you can, but you can't really show people, can you? Because you're not there yet. Right. Right. And you just, and you can just kind of keep, keep walking that out. So what is, what kind of kept you going, man? What, what kept you, you know, cause again, this is, this is the, the, <laughs> you know, this is the, uh, the issue with, with performance, right. Is like, I feel like I can do something, but I haven't done it yet. Right. And so the interim that, that middle ground between actually achieving that goal and actually, you know, actualizing that potential and, and running that time in your case and not being there yet, that middle part, that's the part where sometimes it gets hard, right. There's like some difficult conversations that you've got to have with yourself and, and, you know, to keep yourself going throughout all that. So how did you find, you know, the motivation to continue to do that? So for me is I'm a big, I'm a big man of faith and I'm really big on faith and just faith to me is just keeping on moving. And when you're not even a hundred percent sure. And I think another big motivating factor for me also was falling in love with the process more than the actual results. That's one thing I really tried to do these past couple of years or the past two years primarily was really focus more on the process and really soak in the grind and the nitty gritty of what it takes to be an actual great elite athlete versus the run one versus me running the really fast times and stuff like that. So I really wanted to focus on the process and not really let go and let go of that outcome because we can't control the outcome at the end of the day. We can only control the work that we're putting in in the present moment. And so I really just had to be where my feet were and really just take things literally one step at a time. And do you, so I, I agree with you hundred percent, right? You just, you, you do the things that you feel are necessary to put you in a position to be successful, right? To, to be fast, uh, to be one of the world's, you know, fastest. Uh, but then at the end of the day, you're right. There's, you know, seven other guys, right. That are running in your, you know, in your final, let's say, and you can't control all of them. You can only control yourself. Right. Um, do you feel that that helps you to not get too low or get too high? And let me explain that a little bit further, because if you have a quote unquote poor performance, right? Um, sometimes that's going to be the uh, product of some things that were outside of your control, right? So you don't take those performances that seriously so they don't knock you down as much but then on the other side of the coin and this is where some people have a little bit of an issue then but then when you have a really great performance you also understand that it was the work that went into it and therefore you don't get too high on that either because um some things went right that day right some things kind of came together and you know there was a lot that just fell into place that you really didn't have anything to do with. Right. I mean, would you, would you agree? Would you say that that's accurate? Maybe. Yeah, that's 100% accurate. I agree with that. Yeah. So it just keeps you going. I want to, again, man, you're just, uh, I, I encourage people if they're on Twitter to, to give you a follow. Cause you've just, you, you throw out some really great stuff, but I, I want to talk about, um, something you threw out actually this morning today, I believe you talked about, so you're from, uh, you're from Nigeria, right? Um, and I, I want to talk about something that you said this morning where you said that growing up, um, it, comparisons were something that were thrown at you pretty, pretty hot and heavy, right? Like just 
you being compared to other people. And you said, man, that kind of, I had to kind of get out of that. Right. Like, can you walk me through, can you walk us through like what you saw was happening as those comparisons were being made? And then kind of, you came to the realization that they weren't helping you. Yeah. And so, you know, most Nigerian parents, they mean well, but the methods of motivation were oftentimes through comparison. So for example, we're really big on education and growing up, if you had, let's say your grades weren't as good as someone else's and they would say, oh, well, if this person is getting straight A's, why can't you get straight A's? And to them, it's supposed to motivate you. But as a child growing up, you kind of, it makes you kind of feel inferior and it makes you feel like, dang, like I'm not good enough or it almost makes you kind of envious of the other person. And then it causes you to not even be fully happy for their success as well, because you know that comparison might come in the future or that same day. And how I was able to get out of that was really just, track definitely helped me with that. And also it helped me to, <clears throat> it helped me to really just focus on myself and focus on my process and things like that. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, man, that is a, that's a fantastic point that you made there. I want to make sure that folks listening don't miss out on that. Uh, the fact that with comparisons, right, comes this mindset that you begin to envy that, that particular individual that you're being compared to because they, they have something that you don't have, or they've achieved something that, that you have not achieved as of yet. And you actually begin to kind of like, not want them to do well. You actually kind of begin to like dislike them because they're ahead of you. And that's just such a faulty mindset to have, right? Because one of the things that I like to say is there's, there's plenty of room at the top of the mountain for everybody, right? Uh, one of the things that is so, uh, you know, grossly um, played out, out in our culture here in the States is that you know, in order for me to get to the top, I've got to drag you down, right? Like I've got to, I've got to step on you, right? And once I get to the top, I've got to protect the top because it's just me versus everybody else. And I don't want anybody else up there, but that's so, um, that's such a, such a poor way of thinking about it because all of us can be successful, right? And if we really think about it, we really think about it. You didn't get to where you are, um, on your own right? You had the help from your, you know, in, in this track context, your fellow competitors helped you, right? Like right. they, they pushed you. And that's the, that's the goal of competition is you kind of make a gentleman's agreement. You line up and you basically all just kind of like shake hands and say, Hey, I'm going to give you my best today. I'm going to run as hard as I can because I want to push you as hard as I can because I want to see you do your best. And hey, can you do that for me? And we all just kind of make this agreement. And all of a sudden, we're all giving our best. And, and then we cross the line and we get some really neat things that happen, right? Um, I, I was going to talk about this later, but it's, it's a great time to talk about this now. Um, eight years ago today, uh, David Rudisha, kind of funny that we're actually, I'm actually recording this with you and a fellow 800 meter runner, but he broke the world record. He ran 140. Right. right. Um, and uh, Nick, Nick Simmons, uh, I don't know what nationality he is. I think he's from New Zealand. He uh, he's from America. Oh, he's American. OK. All yeah, right. Uh, ran for ran for Michigan. Right. No, he ran for this country called Willamette. You're thinking of Nick Willis. I'm thinking of Willis. OK. OK. Uh, but but during that 140, he says, hey, man, like we all PR. Like everybody ran a personal best that day, right? So, you know, you've got Rudisha world record, like he won the race, like, man, that's fantastic. But what did he do? I mean, he helped everybody else also run a personal best, even though they weren't world records, it was faster than any of those guys behind him had ever run as well. And it was just, that's the spirit of competition, right? And that's what we look to do, you know, when we line up, you know, to, 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 to compete against each other. Right. Um, and if we don't make those comparisons and if we're not about, you know, being envious and being ugly towards each other, then when you cross the line, we can be buddies. We're, we're done competing. Like we can hang out, we can chill out. Right. And you just kind of get this commodity, you know, uh, camaraderie, you know, amongst your fellow competitors. Right. Mm -hmm. So, 
Um, man, I, uh, this is getting maybe a, a little bit off topic. I, I want you to, if you could, can you run us through, cause I'm super interested. Uh, I ran the 800 in, uh, high school. There was a four by 800 meter down in Florida where I'm from. And that was about the extent of like my 800 meter career. Cause then once we got into college, like I, I did, I didn't want to do it. Uh, even if I could do it, because to me, I feel like the 800 meter event is one that combines, um, the aerobic it's, it's kind of this, this deadly mixture of aerobic capacity, uh, and anaerobic capacity, right? Uh, like at some point you guys are running on, on fumes for the most part, but when you run 140, you know, under 145, it doesn't seem like it cause you guys are just going so fast, but can you take us through, man? Like if you can split the race up into four 200 meter segments, can you just walk us through what those feel like as you're, as you're running that? So like, let's take your 144, eight, like, what did it, what does it feel like, man? Man, let me tell you. So going into that, we did the time trial in the morning and it was initially raining at first. And so, well, it was going to rain. And so then our coach is throwing this idea at us that we might run this race at 5 PM instead of like 1030. And so we're just there we're under a balcony we're under a shade or whatever. And we're just waiting and waiting. And we're just like, uh, what's going to happen? And so our coach is like, he's going to play it by ear. Let's warm up for the race as if we're going to still have it. But if it starts raining, we're just going to use this as our pre-meet shakeout in the morning and then come back later in the day and then do it. And so we, it ended up being good enough weather. So we go, gun goes off and I tuck behind one of my teammates and we're taken through the first 200 meters at about 25 flat, which is fairly a comfortable pace. And then we're going behind him. And we also have a pacer in the race too. And for those who don't know, a pacer is someone who kind of helps gets the pace going along. And it's kind of someone that you can chase after, which makes running the 800 or running anything a little bit easier. And so in the second 200, I see that the pacer is starting to gap my teammate within the 400 and then I kind of passed my teammate and so now I'm right behind the pacer and so we go through 400 at about 51.6 and then the third 200 which is the middle part of the race essentially the hardest part of the race because it's dead in the middle you want to kind of save something for the last 200 but you know the pacer kept the train going and I really just tried my best to stick behind him and I come through 600 at about 117 and I kind of get excited because I knew I was going to run something fast that day. And as long as I was able to finish strong. And so I, this point now I'm kind of hurting. I kind of feel it, but I can still, I have control of my body and I have control of my surroundings and I'm hyper aware. And so last 200, I'm just trying to pump my arms as hard as I can, keep my face relaxed, keep my chin down up my arms my legs just feel like jello at this point and then I cross the line and my coach yells 144 and at first I didn't didn't fully believe it because it was hand time and then we had an electronic timer the other coach when he officially said 144 I was just so ecstatic because 144 is something I really wanted to run for a long time and for those who don't know I've been stuck I've been running 145 since 2017 so to finally be able to break through three years later is just amazing, especially in the midst of everything that's been going on. Man, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so you waited three years to take off two tenths of a second, right? Um, which is just as impressive as 11 years to take off the 20 seconds. Right. Um, so again, it's just patience is so critical. It's so important, but, um, Man, I'm I'm sure you made it look a lot easier than I would even make it look because I feel like that last 200 of an 800 meter race is the hardest thing to do in sports, uh, in, in track and field, in, in any of the running events. Like when you see somebody in that last 200, it it is. I mean, you're just you're done. That's that's what I'm talking about. Where that that aerobic component is there. Like you said, my legs feel like jello. Like there's you're out of oxygen, man. You're, you're, you're done. So my question is 
in that last 200, you mentioned, by the way, you mentioned like some cues that you had for yourself. You mentioned pumping my arms, relaxing my face, right? So you've got some things that you try to keep in mind uh, to, to help you to run that last 200 meters as quickly as possible. What are you thinking though? Can you run us through what, what you were thinking during that last 200 meters? Yeah, all I was thinking for it was just finish. Um, finish as hard as I can and as strong as I can and as relaxed as I can because I didn't want to, I tend to sometimes fight to the finish line, but me fighting with myself to the finish line is going to do more harm than good and it's going to end up tying up a lot quicker. So I really just had to just finish. That's really the only thing I was going through in mind, just finish and stay relaxed as possible. Yeah, and you feel like um, focusing on the face, being relaxed and pumping your arms, that helps to detract some of the attention away from the fact that like your legs are just toast. Yeah, I think it does help. It helps a lot. And then also, I can't even I'm about to say this, but sometimes being oh, like when someone is running behind me and someone's about to catch me, I tend to panic a lot and get really scared. So that makes you tense up even more. And sometimes I just have to let go of that fear of somebody passing me and somebody catching me and not necessarily let them do it, but like let go of the fear of them doing it, if that makes sense. And that kind of helps me to just finish strong as well. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's definitely something to that, right? Uh, like if you are focused on somebody behind you coming up on you and ultimately passing you, then you're still running, but the mindset is not I want to cross this line quickly. The mindset becomes, I don't want to get passed by this person behind me. And so instead of your thinking being forward and towards the line and, and focused on yourself, again, you're, you're doing the focusing and comparing to somebody else and you're, you're kind of playing it safe, I guess, right. Is you're, you're trying not to lose. And, you know, in order to win, you've got to be okay with losing, right. That's, you know, yeah. that, that's how, that's how you play that. That's how you play the game. Um, and so, yeah, hundred percent, man, it's, it's getting rid of, you know, it's getting rid of that fear that it could potentially happen. The, the person, they, they could come around you and they could beat you. Um, and, and that might happen. But again, it's focusing on what can I do? Because that's an uncontrollable, the, the, the rate at which that person is running is not up to you. It, it's, it's solely on them. Right. And so just keeping yourself focused on, on yourself. Um, yeah. So, um, can you talk about a little bit about so when you're when you were doing your warm up for this performance um were you do you think about the fact that it's going to hurt do you do you let your mind rest on the fact that like at some point I'm going to get uncomfortable here like at some point I'm really just going to have to dig deep and I'm going to have to go go deep and uh I'm just going to have to fight through some, some dark places during, you know, this, this performance. I mean, do you, do you spend time rehearsing some of that? Yeah. So I definitely, especially during the warm up and even sometimes the day before I do think about the pain that's going to be associated with running this race. And honestly, that's where most of my nerves come from. It's not even like, a, Oh, I'm nervous to run terrible, but it's, for me, it's more so I'm nervous because I know the pain that comes with the 800 and I just have to remind myself that, yeah, this is going to hurt, but running fast is going to feel so much better at the end. Yeah. Well, and okay. So, but I want to unpack that a little bit more because people are like, well, wait a minute, man, where are you guys going? Like, you mean I should be thinking about like how much something's going to hurt and, and how uncomfortable it's going to be. And yes, I, I mean, we should, right. Uh, the, the, pro the problem uh, with not doing that is then you get to the last 200 right? And then like your legs are falling off and you can't breathe and you're, you're surprised, right? You, you, be, you become surprised. You're like, man, I didn't know it was going to feel like this, right? Because you're watching, you know, chariots of fire, or you're watching a movie and it's like, the person doesn't look like they're struggling. Right. But I mean, right. in order to, in order to run that time, like you're going to struggle. It, it's hard, right? Uh, we're, we're pushing our limits and we're doing something we've never done before. So yes, we, we should, you know, as you said, you spend time saying, Hey man, I know what I'm in for when I come around that curve for that last time. Like it's, it's going to be hard, 
you know? Uh, but like you said, I know that running fast is going to be worth it, right? Like I know that when I cross that line that it's going to be all right. I'm not going to die, right? Um, you know, I may be pretty darn tired. I may have to, you know, grab a seat on the track or, you know, whatever, but, but, it's, but I'm going to be okay. And then the overarching thing is you don't lose that confidence that you can still perform at that level, right? It's not like, oh man, it's going to hurt so much. I'm probably not going to make it. It's, hey, I just need to be comfortable with this sensation. So when I do arrive at that place where I am going to have to battle some, you know, maybe some doubt, maybe some fear that I've already kind of prepared myself for that particular moment so that I know what to do in that moment. Right. Right. Um, and and speak, speaking of that, uh, you know, one of the other things that I wanted to chat with you about um, when you go through. It, it looks like you like to go through your uh, your your timeline on uh, on Twitter, right? Do you like to scroll through there and kind of see some of the things you had said uh, maybe years before, right? Yeah, so there's an app that does it for you. It's called Time Hop, and basically, oh, okay, on each yeah on each day, it kind of shows what you tweeted, whether it was from the time you got the app. So I I made the app maybe well, I installed the app maybe about five years ago. And so okay. ever since then, it kind of shows my tweets from up to five years ago. Man, that's crazy. Okay. And talk to me about some of the tweets that you're seeing. And what would you say is the percentage of some of those tweets? Cause, cause you're, you're projecting things, right? Like I'm, I'm, right. you know, uh, you're, you're saying that you'd like to do this. You, you'd like to get this kind of a sponsorship or, or be this level athlete. You'd like to run this time. You'd like to go to this particular competition, right? So you're doing those kinds of things ahead of time before they've actually occurred. And then you're saying you've got this app and you've kind of been able to go back and be like, Hey, look at this man, two, three years ago, this is what I said. What would you say is the percentage of the things that have actually come to fruition when you go back on time hop? Oh my goodness. I would <laughs> I would probably say maybe about 90% so far. Wow. It's, it's, it's pretty up there. It's up there. I'm not even going to lie. It's, it's up there for sure. It's, it's about not, especially after running this 144 now, it's definitely like 90, 95%. Yeah. Wow. And the pro here, here's the, here's the, the issue with that though. Um, people are going to think you're special, right? I mean, people are going to be like, well, man, this guy, I mean, he just knows himself really, really well. And I guess he's got it all together, right? Like he's just a, a special kind of an athlete, a special kind of an individual. Would you consider yourself that? Or would you just say, man, I'm just somebody that I'm just somebody that believes in myself and I work really hard. What would you say? Yeah, I would definitely say that I'm definitely an athlete who believes in myself and I work really hard. Like I've put in so much work over the years. Granted, you know, I had help along the way, but I don't really consider myself to be a quote unquote special kind of athlete. I, like I said, if you look at my previous stuff, I wasn't an All-American in high school, only got one scholarship offer. I never made an NCAA final. There were so many things that like people probably wouldn't have predicted me doing the things that I'm able to do now back then. And so I, I just really put in the work and really believed in myself a hundred percent of the way. I think that's what really helped me get to the next level was the fact that, yeah, people told me, coaches told me that, Hey, you can be really good at this sport and that you can run world-class times. You can run really fast. But if I never believed that, then it, the words would be meaningless. And so I really had to, believe in myself and believing in yourself is so important in sports or even just life in general you know people have half of the qualifications for something but because they believe in themselves they end up getting it and so just it doesn't hurt to believe in yourself at all it doesn't hurt at all and so I definitely 100% attribute my success so far for believing in myself and just putting in that work and then having help along the way yeah, hundred percent, man. I love it. It just, I love it. I love hearing stories like this. And you know, one of the things that I think about often is, uh, they say that experts are proven wrong every day, right? And they are, I mean, you have experts that, Hey, this person's going to do this, or we predict this team to do this or whatever, right? In athletics. I mean, you just look around and 
they're proven wrong every single day. But this is where who's who's an expert, you know, on on Eidos, on you. It, it's you. I, I mean, you are your you are your expert. I mean, nobody knows you better than you know yourself, right? And so you just become you take the role of becoming your own expert. And that's what kind of comes through, uh, you know, in chatting with you here and kind of seeing what you put out there. It's the fact that like, you're an expert on yourself and you sit, you know, Hey guys, I can do that. I, I believe that I can do that. I'm an expert on myself. And I can tell you that if I put in the work, I know that I'm capable of that kind of a performance. Right. And you're going to have some quote unquote experts that will say, I don't think he can. And then maybe you're going to have some experts that are going to say, no, I, I think that he can, right? But ultimately, even with those coaches and those individuals, your family members, friends, whoever it was that said, hey, man, we think you can do these things. We think you're capable of these things. Just because they hand you the keys to the car doesn't mean that, you know, you still got to turn it on and drive it, right? And so, yeah, they pat you on the back and they give you some motivation on some, you know, some, some, some days where maybe you're not feeling it and maybe you don't, you don't believe in yourself as much. And that's nice for them to get you through some, some spots like that. But ultimately you got to be your own expert and you got to keep preaching to yourself, right? That like, I'm capable of this. Like I can do this. I'm going to see this through. Right. Right. And, uh, and 90%, like I said, you know, you're telling me 90%, a lot of people would see that. And, you know, uh, a lot of people would say, man, there's, there's a gap between me and, and him, right? Because, you know, I, I don't see 90%. I see maybe 50%, maybe 40%, maybe 0%, right? Like, what is it about him that, like, makes it to where he's 90% accurate on his predictions for himself and, like, I'm not? And the answer is be your own expert and believe in yourself. That, that's the answer, right? Because that's all that you've done. Now, with that belief you know, you're, you're doing the drills you need to do. You're eating the way you need to eat. You're, you're getting your sleep, you're recovering, right? You're, you're doing all these things, but that all started with your belief in yourself, the way that you think about yourself, the way that you view yourself. And then it manifests itself in certain actions, right? In certain practice sessions, in certain, you know, the heck, the way you carry yourself, the way you walk on the track, right? Like all of those things. Mm -hmm. So, but, um, yeah, man. So it's just, it's, re it's really, really neat to see that. And, um, one of the other things I want to talk about, uh, I, I did jump on, followed you on Instagram and I noticed that, uh, you've got a little tab for, um, for books on your Instagram page there. And I looked through, I looked through some of those. What would you say are some of the most influential, like if you had to the folks listening right now, right? They're like, I want to read a book, R recommend some books for me. What would you say are some of the most influential books that you've read that have helped you along your journey here to where you've gotten? Man. So being an athlete, I think the book that I read this year was the, called the champion's mind. I can 100% yep. say that that book really changed the trajectory of the way my season has been going this year. And so quick backstory for those who don't know, um, I suffered my first injury this year. I had posterior tibial tendonitis back in January, and I couldn't run a single step without any type of pain. So I couldn't run for pretty much a whole solid month. So I had to do nothing but cross training, which is biking, swimming, and doing an elliptical. And some of the tools that they used in that book to help train your mind um, was very powerful. And I started implementing those in my own, at my own routine because I couldn't obviously I couldn't run. So I was like, I have to do something here. And that book really changed my, it changed the way I look at myself as an athlete, changed the way I just carry myself as a person in general. And it really changed, changed my life in a lot of ways. Um, another book that I would recommend is the, a book called The Alchemist. And the reason I recommend that book is a non, it's a fiction book, but the things that are in that book and one important lesson is that it's not necessarily about the destination. It's always about the journey and the things that you learn and the people that you meet along that journey. And it just goes to show, like, yeah, I arrived at 144, but just 
the lessons that were learned and the friendships that were forged and to get to that 144 is something that I'll be able to take with me beyond the track. And that's why I recommend that book as well. Yeah, those are, those are two great books. I've, I've personally read both of them uh, myself. And uh, so, yeah, uh, the champion's mind is by Jim Afro Aframo. Um, I believe. And then the alchemist, I can't know. I, I, I don't know who the author of that book is, but that one's a classic. I mean, that yeah. one's, that book uh, is, is a really, really popular book, but uh, I want to go back to something that you said. So you were injured and you had to take some time off and, and you know, that's not a, that's not a good, good place to be, you know, when you're, you want to be out there training and talk to me about some of the things that you did uh, what did you feel like you said there was kind of a mental shift maybe that occurred kind of during that period? Like what, what was that period like for you? Like, how did you, how did you get through that period? What were some of the things that you said that you committed to doing that were very helpful during that period to get you out of, obviously get you to the other side of the injury and, and go on to run, you know, uh, faster than you ever have. Not much, not much after that. Yeah. So so quick backstory. Um, it was I went to attended a sports clinic, and one of the guest speakers, his name was Kadivis Robinson. Uh, he's a he was a 800 meter Olympian and all that stuff. And I was had the opportunity to speak with him a little bit. I kind of look at him now as a mentor for me. And one thing that he said, because I was asking, you know, how did you break through past 145? I was telling him how I was stuck at 145 for all these years. And he was telling me how it was mental. He made some mental shifts. And so going into the new year, 2020, I, that, I purposed in my heart to like really focus on my mental game and focus on the mental game. And so the first book I read, or one of the first books I did where I was able to read in 2020 was The Champion's Mind. And in that book, it talked about how when athletes do certain mental skills and mental training, their mental fitness, that they become so much better in their sport. And so some of the things that I would do, I used to always visualize my race, but I would always visualize it in first person. I mean, in third person. And in the book, it talked about visualizing yourself competing in first person. And I tried doing that. And I remember thinking how difficult it was to do. It was almost like, you get a physiological sensation when you visualize yourself doing it in first person. Cause I guess like you remember how the pain feels or you just remember how each step feels. And I remember thinking, yo, this is very hard and doing it for like, I've been doing it now for since about January. So I've been doing it now for almost like seven, eight months. And that was one of the things I did. And also just the self-talk, you know, just repeating to yourself every single day, like, I'm great. I'm a champion. Um, and yeah, just things like that, just mainly vis visualization and then positive self-talk. Yeah. Uh, so a couple of, a couple of things there, um, the visualization, I mean, there's, there have been numerous studies to show that visualization, uh, imagery, whatever, how, whatever you would like to call it, that it, it absolutely does have a physiological benefit and you you're sitting on a couch you're you're injured but you're visualizing yourself running and you're visualizing yourself healthy and you know there's research out there to you know corroborate the fact that you're you're healing yourself that that your mind is sending you know whatever you want to call it good vibes whatever down to the injured area and it's saying hey let's get healthy again so that we can actually really go do this in real life right um and tied to that it's kind of the self-fulfilling prophecy like all of a sudden you do perform the way that you've been visualizing and the way that that imagery has been going and, and all of a sudden you do get that performance um why because it has to be manifested in your mind first You've got to actually be able to see it, uh, to be able to, you know, to be able to experience it. So that's, uh, yeah, that's 100% spot on, man. And that's, that's really, really neat. Do you do, do you do imagery like every day? Do you do it, you know, once a week? Like what's your, what's your routine? Do you have a routine with it that you follow? Yeah. So I pretty much do it every day. And then I actually found out maybe like 
a month or two after reading the book that the author has an app and it kind of takes you through a whole mental training workout. And so I try to do it primarily twice a day, once in the morning when I first wake up and then right before I go to sleep. And I usually try to just visualize myself throughout the training sessions. Even on days where I don't, where I have like an off day, I just visualize myself just being productive through that day. So for example, if I'm meant to do something on the computer or do laundry, I even visualize myself doing those things as well, just off the track things too. Yeah. And that, I don't know if you're, are you into meditation at all? Not heavy, but yeah, I do like mindfulness and visualization okay. and stuff like that. Okay. Okay. Because, um, you know, the, the, the visualization, the imagery, like you said, you're doing it, you know, you're, you're, you're doing the visualization, even when you're doing, you know, kind of menial tasks, right? Like doing laundry or washing dishes or something like that. But, um, it keeps you in the present moment, right? Which is hugely important. Uh, you know, the, uh, the, the present moment is the most powerful moment. Why? Because there's nothing you can do about the past and the future is not here yet. So really the only place we have influence is where our feet are right now in this particular moment and doing the visualization and doing the imagery and those kinds of things, it really helps us to really kind of take stock on whatever it is that we're doing. And the interesting thing about that is you mentioned doing it with stuff like maybe cooking and laundry and things like that. And, and the interesting thing about that is, is that even those simple things that we do, when we plug in and stay in the present moment, we actually derive a little bit more satisfaction out of those things, don't we? Yeah, for sure. It's kind of like you're, you're, you're cooking the meal, but now you're paying more attention to the meal that you're cooking. And you're like, man, that's neat. I, I never noticed that, right? Like, hey, man, I'm paying attention to this now. And that's, that's pretty cool, you know, or, or whatever it happens to be. And, uh, and, and, and you begin to derive you know, I feel like your quality of life goes up somewhat, right? Because you're not in a hurry to get somewhere and you're not thinking about something that may have just happened. You're actually really enjoying the moment for what it is. Yeah, I agree 100%. And just there's so much power in the now and there's so much power in being fully present. And like you said, the past isn't, the past is gone and the future is not here yet. So it's like, why would we stress about we, we can only control our present moment. So why are we stressing about things we can't control, which is the past and the future? Just focus on being fully present and good things can happen in that. Yeah. Let, let's, let's jump on the self-talk train over here because, uh, okay, so you said that you, you say certain things to yourself, like, I am great. I am a champion. And you say that you say those things and you, you maybe have some other phrases that you use with yourself, which by the way, I fully support because it, because that is powerful, but, but man, doesn't that make you seem a little egotistical and full of yourself? Like, what would you say to that? If somebody said that, what would your answer be to that? I would tell them no, primarily because the way I look at egotistical with egoism and arrogance is this is stuff I'm saying to my inner self. I'm not necessarily projecting this onto other people and I'm not putting this unnecessarily putting people down. Like if I said, yeah, I'm great and you all suck, then it's like, oh, you're egotistical, you're egotistical maniac and you're arrogant and stuff like that. But for me, I always try to uplift everyone that's around me. I tell people that they're great as well. And honestly, to be successful, you have to have some type of inner arrogance within you. You, you have to believe in yourself at the end of the day and you have to be able to tell yourself like, Hey, like I'm that dude. Like I'm, everyone's trying to beat me. I'm, I'm great. And when you say these things to yourself over and over again, eventually you start to believe them. And just as vice versa or the opposite, if you say, man, I, I always fail at this or, or suck at this eventually. And you keep saying that eventually you're going to start believing it. And eventually it's going to start manifesting itself in reality. And you really just have to let yourself it's okay to tell yourself that you're good. Like it's not a bad thing to let you tell yourself that you're, you're great at something. Yeah. So what, so what does this mean, man? Does this mean that like if me and you lined up on the track and 
I somehow am nearly as fast as you and we're coming down that last stretch that you won't just let me have the win? <laughs> I mean, I'm a, I'm a fight to the finish line. You That's don't have it, to man. Really push. That's you it. Have to push. Yeah, man. I, I'm teasing that out of you, right? Because I, because you're spot on, man. And I just, you know, um, I, I want, I want other people, you know, I, I want this to be coming from other people as well as myself, because this is something that, that I try to get out there as well. Right. Um, you know what saying I am a champion, even if you, even if you do tell somebody else, right. Saying I am a champion saying I am great. It's look, it's not egotistical. Right. Like you said, if you want to perform at a high level, you have to have a certain belief in yourself. And you know what? There's a way we can express belief sometimes. And they're called words and words are powerful. And we need to be able to do that. And no, we don't need to not say those things in a public space because then people are going to think that we are arrogant or we are egotistical. I mean, you know, the, the, the belief that I have is that a lot of things are neither good nor bad. They just exist. And the ego is one of those things that a lot of people are like, man, ego, good or bad? Oh, no, man, it's bad. No, 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 it's bad. I mean, ego's a, ego's a bad thing. Well, wait a minute, hold on a second. If we didn't have egos, you wouldn't want to try to be running faster. If we didn't have egos, you wouldn't want to be an athlete. You just want to sit on the couch all day and just hang out, right? Because with, with the lack of an ego comes somebody that just doesn't care right? Somebody that just isn't motivated, somebody that's not going to do anything. So the ego, it, it is a, it does serve a purpose for us, right? It does motivate us. It does get you to go out there and say, Hey, I need to train today, right? Well, why do you need to train? Well, because I mean, my ego is telling me if I want to run under 145, then I, I've got to, I've got to do these things. And that's my ego pushing me to do those things. Right. Um, now it's keeping that ego in check. You're right. So it doesn't boil over. Right. So we don't look around and tell everyone else that they're not very good. And we start to kind of talk down on people and become disrespectful. We don't want to do that. Right. But I mean, dude, you're like, you know, you've you've made it to, you know, uh, world championships and you've been involved in some really great competitions and hot, very, very high level competitions. All them dudes that are standing on the line with you all of you guys are trying to beat each other. I mean, that's the goal, right? And so it, it's not in a malicious, mean way. It's just, hey, my ego, you know, wants to get the, the better of your ego this time, but we can all coexist and we can all have a good time, compete hard, compete clean, and then we can all cross that line and then we just let it go, right? Mm -hmm. So, but uh, yeah, I just think that's a, that's a huge you know, uh, that's a huge misconception, man, that, that, uh, that a lot of people have, but, uh, so kind of beginning to wrap things up a little bit here. Um, tell me about Monaco, man. What's, what's the deal with, what's the deal with you and Monaco? That's kind of one of the things you've got on your radar. Is it not? Yeah. So I've been watching the Monaco diamond league now for many years. I, yeah, I've watched it maybe like eight years now and just the country just always looks so beautiful. And I've always wanted to go there. That's like when my, every time people ask me, oh, so what place would you want to travel to? I always tell people Monaco. And just because the country is so beautiful. And that race and the Diamond League 800 in Monaco is always a very fast one. And so I always tell, tell every time, like, yo, I'm going to compete in Monaco. I probably tell myself this like every year. I'm gonna compete in Monaco. I'm gonna compete in Monaco one day, even if it doesn't happen. I just the fact that I'm putting it out there is gonna allow me to work towards that, and I have to be okay with it not potentially happening, but at the same time working towards it happening. Yeah, hundred percent, man. I mean, um, because it because it fuels you, right? So, it, I, I think I think you will uh, get to Monaco, but let's just say that you didn't. And you end up at some other Diamond League competition, right? Because a Diamond League, for those people that don't know, I mean, that's like, don't they give, uh, if you win every one, you get a million bucks, right? If you win every uh, event in the Diamond League, like it's a series, right? Yeah, it's a series races. I don't think you get a million dollars. You might get, I mean, you get good money, but it's definitely not a million dollars, though. Okay, I thought I thought it was a million. I thought, uh, I can't remember, man, I, I was a track geek, man, back in the day when I was running. And I think it was one year that uh, Beckley, uh, Ethiopian guy, I think he won every single Diamond League competition that year. And I think 
I think he got a million dollars. I think that was the prize purse. It, again, you have to win all of them. Uh, so it's like five or six of them, which is doesn't happen very often. I think that's why they throw so much money at it. But then I'll have to go back and make sure I didn't make that up. <laughs> but uh, so other than Monaco, man, what else do you got? I mean, what else can you see yourself doing? Obviously, you know, you believe in yourself. So what are some of the things down the road that you're like, man, I'm going to do that one day? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, one thing I see myself doing is making the Nigerian Tokyo Olympic team. That's one thing that I really see myself doing is becoming an Olympian. That was one of my biggest goals as a track athlete. And that's definitely something I see myself doing. I see myself running beyond 144. I see myself running 143 or faster one day. Uh, will it happen this year? I don't know. But I see myself doing it at some point in my career. And I see myself just inspiring a whole bunch of people at the same time. I know I've inspired a lot of people, but I see myself inspiring way more people as well. And so those are the, some of the things I see myself doing. And I just see myself being a great ambassador and athlete for Under Armour as well. Yeah, man. Let, let, let's talk a little bit about that uh, in closing here, because I think it's a great, a great way to go out, man. So, you're talking about being inspirational, right? And that that's not about you, right? I mean, mm -hmm. inspiring other people is about other people, right? You want to see, you want to put a smile on a kid's face. You want to sign an autograph. You want to, you want to help somebody out maybe that can, that can use some help, right? That that's not about you. That's giving of yourself for the sake of another, right? Um, does that fuel you? Does that does that provide some motivation for you to to be able to to think about that and and know that, I mean you're, you got some you got some shine on you now right so like people are looking at you and you're in a position to be able to to do that in a more effective way now let's face it because you're faster I mean when you were running mm -hmm. two hundred five you didn't have the platform <laughs> that you've got now and that's, that's okay I, that that's not a knock on you but now that you've got that do you feel that that gives you a little bit extra just kind of oomph, you know, to go out there and give your very best. Yeah, for sure. I know that now there's a, definitely a lot more people looking at me and looking up to me. And I remember being that kid who would, would look up to other professional 800-meter runners and thinking, man, I want to run that fast one day. And to be in that position now is just a huge blessing, and I don't take it for granted. And it's definitely something I realized, you know, God gives us gifts and you realize that some of these gifts are bigger than you. Like I might be a great track athlete and it might be bigger. Like I look at this track thing is bigger than me. Right. I look at, you know, I, I can be the reason why someone doesn't give up. I could be the reason why someone doesn't give up and eventually becomes an Olympian. Um, Cause there was someone like that for me. And it's just a chain that keeps on. It's a gift that keeps on giving and, I just want to be able to shed light and spread love as much as I can, whether that's through the track, off the track, the way I carry myself and really just show people that they can do it. Like it's possible and success might not always be linear, but success can happen in the long run. Even if, for example, like I said, when I was only recruited by one college, no one would have thought that I would be running these world-class times now versus those other some of the other kids around a lot faster some of them might not have some of them have probably plateaued in high school or plateaued in early college and sometimes that's why it's important to not compare yourself at the, at the same time because everyone's success and everyone's journey looks different and so if i can inspire someone that kid who might not have been crazy fast in high school but gets a lot faster when he gets older and sees like hey he did it you know i can do it or hey, he ran fast when he was 27 or 28. You know, maybe if I don't give up and I keep pursuing this when I'm that age, maybe I can run fast as well. Yeah, man. Amen to that. I mean, that, you know, uh, leave it leave it better than you found it, right? So, you know, uh, you pick up the sport from, you know, those that have gone before you and you say, okay, now, you know, now it's my turn. And, you know, you take care of the sport and you, you protect the sport and, you know, you, you want to hand that off to somebody and you want to hand it off, you know, better than when you got it. Right. Uh, right. clean, you know, and, uh, and so, yeah, that, that's a, 
you know, that's a charge that, that we all have, right. Is to, to leave it better than we found it. Whether, you know, if you're a parent, you want to, you want to drop your kids off, you know, better than, than, you know, you got dropped off and you just want to keep raising the bar. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's, uh, I think that's, you know, that's fantastic. And, and you've got that ability now to, uh, to do that. And, you know, sometimes this is a, this is a known, this is a known thing that, you know, we all have this point where doing it for ourselves is just not going to be enough, right? Like doing it for the sake of improving myself is just, it, it, it runs its course. And eventually on our journey, if we're trying to do something spectacular, that's just not going to get it done, right? But then that's when we can switch gears and go to, well, but I'm doing this for other people too, right? I'm doing this for this cause. I'm doing this for this individual. I'm just trying to, you know, help folks out, you know, and um, yeah. And, and I think that it's also important to know, like, you know, one of the things that I keep in mind, I mean, you never know who you're talking to and you never know who you're, you're interacting with, right? You could be interacting with some, some young man and, and that young man is, is running a two thirty right now and it doesn't look very glamorous and it doesn't look very spectacular, but you don't know that that young man may, turn around and one day run 150, right? Um, you know, people took care of you when you were running slower and it sounded like you had a good support system there and, and people that believed in you. They didn't know. I mean, they thought that maybe you could run under 145, but they weren't sure, right? But thank goodness that they were good with you and they cared about you and they supported you and they put their arms around you and they just kept on saying, hey, you know what? Let's just keep watering this plant because we have no idea what it's going to grow into, Right. And, and look, and look at what you, what you have grown into. And I mean, you're certainly not done. I mean, you're going to keep going. Right. Um, and it just reminds me of, uh, you know, the, the bamboo plant, um, it's underground and you don't see it and, and, and it's, but it's growing down there and, you know, the bamboo plant, I, I don't know exactly off the top of my head, but I believe that once it does break ground and it breaks soil, I believe that in the span of like eight months, it grows like six feet. Oh, or wow. something crazy like that. Maybe even more. I don't know. Uh, those of you listening, y'all can fact check me on that. And if you want to look it up, Edos, you can do it as well. But I, I know for a fact it's, it's under the ground and no one can see it. And boom, when it takes off, it's gone, you know? And, uh, you know, one of the things for young people listening out there, that, that's one of the things that I think about when I see young people all the time, because I've been involved in endurance sports for a really, really long time. And, you know, I, I've seen young people that just they're average performers, maybe they're even below average performers. And all of a sudden, just boom, they, they either grow and mature, they get stronger or mentally, they just, you know, get better. They, 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 they up their mental game or whatever it happens to be. And all of a sudden I'm watching them on television and I'm hearing their names and they're, you know, professional this or that or the other. So I just think it's a tremendous charge that we have as adults to make sure that we're taking care of those individuals, you know? I agree 100%. And like you said, so, you never know what people can become at the end of the day. So just we just all have to do our parts and watering the plant and just speaking life into individuals because, you know, the way we talk to people is how sometimes they might see themselves. And it's very important that, like, I 100% believe that if my coaches didn't think that I could be good, then I probably wouldn't be where I'm at right now. Mm, yeah, man, that's... Yeah, that's, that's powerful, right? Like, um, you know, when you have individuals that are not mature enough mentally, uh, you know, I'm thinking about, you know, I got three kids, right? And uh, they're not mature enough mentally. So guess what? The self-image that I project on them, that that's the self-image that they're going to walk around with until they get old enough to go, hey, wait a minute, I think dad might be wrong about some of this stuff. Like he's saying, I can't do this or, or, or whatever, but I mean, it works the other way. It can be extremely positive, right? Like, I don't know that I can do this, but like my dad keeps telling me that I can't, or, or, you know, this athlete keeps telling me that I can't, Hey, let me just keep going. I mean, who knows? Right. Um, man. So let's go ahead and end our time. Edos, if you could, right. Uh, if there are some, some folks listening that are involved in track and field, maybe specifically the 800, like what, what's some advice that you would give to them if they were in front of you right now? Like, what would you want to tell them that would help set their trajectory on a path towards success? 
I would tell them to just trust the process primarily and not only trust the process, but trust their process, you know, and don't mm. really compare yourself to other 800 meter runners, you know, follow your own journey. Everyone's different. Everyone's journey is unique and don't be afraid to fail. Don't be afraid to lose races. Um, and just do it for the love, man. Have fun with it and just show up every day, show up, be where your feet are. Don't stress too much about the future. Focus on what you can control and focus on what you can do right now. And so that's really what I would tell them. And yeah. believe in themselves okay. as well. Yeah, man, you keep you keep throwing good stuff out there, man. So I, I, I'm going to have to throw one more thing out there because it was a gem. But are you meaning to tell me, man, that like I can't just go into your your log and just photocopy all your workouts. And if I just do your workouts, like I'm going to run sub 145. Like, is, is that, that, that's not how it works. Like that's your process. Like, why can't I just do the same thing? Right. Um, that's the way a lot of people think, right. It's like, let me just cookie cutter, you know, cut and paste what that guy over there is doing. And if I just do the same exact things that that guy over there is doing, Hey, I'm going to get what he's got. Right. Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to run as fast as he runs. Right. And it's like, no, that that's not that's not true, right? Because you know, uh, maybe your physiology reacts to different kinds of workouts. You've got different muscle fibers, you know, composition of muscle fibers, right? Like, I mean, heck, man, you ran sub one forty five, so I know for a fact you've got way more uh, fast twitch muscle fiber than I've got, brother. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, like I was, yeah. So, but like, it, it, it's it's it's. Um, Another common misconception is, hey, if I just can get a hold of like what they're doing right now, oh, you eat that food? Okay, I'm gonna eat that food, right? And, and it's not about that, right? It's it's really, that's quite honestly, uh, I feel like that's the lazier approach, right? It, it's lazier than saying, hey, let me find out what works for me. I'll try that food because you know what? Like it, it, it looks like a healthy meal and, you know, per the nutritional content, like it could help me out. But then if you eat it, and you don't feel like it's helping you by all means try to find something else. Right. And it's like, I, I don't have to have your same diet. I, I tried it because, well, cause you're successful and you're, you've got something that, you know, you've achieved something that I would like to achieve, but don't be afraid to say, Hey man, you know what? That just doesn't, that just doesn't work for me. Right. That's just not, you know, that's just not, uh, that's just not what's going to get me where I need to go. You know? And one of the things that I'm thinking of, uh, really, really good podcast episode. Uh, man, I, I encourage you. I think you would, I think you would enjoy it. It's, uh, you know, who Steve Magnus is. Yes. The coach. Okay. Yeah. So Magnus, uh, did an interview with, uh, Alan Webb and it's one of my favorite podcast episodes because they, they talk about Alan Webb's training, right? And Alan Webb, obviously it was super fast. Um, but so was Steve Magnus, right? And they were both really, really fast, right? But like throughout this episode, one of the things that comes out is the fact that like Magnus would go to, to do Webb's training and, and couldn't do it, right? Like it just didn't work for him. He was still very fast and very successful, but he did it utilizing a different training template, right? He did different workouts, like the stuff that Webb did he couldn't do. He just, it just didn't work for him. It just wasn't effective. Right. And so I think that's a great point that you make is that you've got to do some self-discovery, you know? And I think that's where the mindfulness comes in. Like you said, you practice mindfulness and that's where you, you kind of know when it isn't really helping you. Right. You just have this intuition that I feel we don't, we don't trust enough. Right. We don't trust the intuition to go, Hey, that just doesn't feel right. That, that just, I, I don't think that that's doing what it does maybe for them. Right. Um, and we're, we're, we get afraid sometimes to just dismiss it and go find something else. Right. Right. So, but, uh, man, this has been, this has been awesome, man. I I've really enjoyed chatting with you. I, I really appreciate, uh, your openness from the moment I contacted you, you've been nothing but, but, uh, but generous with your time and, uh, and allowing us to have this conversation before we go though, uh, I do want to give you the opportunity to, uh, do you have any shout outs you want to give out, uh, your social media credentials so that people can go and start following your journey because, Hey, y'all heard it here first when he's running in Monaco, y'all know that you heard it here. 
So, but uh, give, give, give people, give people some places where they can connect with you, man. Sure. So first I want to shout out district track club. That's the training club I train with. You can follow them at district track club on Instagram. I also want to shout out my sponsor under armor. They have been nothing but supportive throughout this whole pandemic. And these past two years that I've been with them, they're, I think they're the best brand on earth, the best running brand, even though they just started and got into running. They're the best. And then you can follow me on Instagram at E Ibadin. So E and then I B A D I N on all social media platforms. So Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, all that good stuff. Oh, he does TikTok. All right. All right. Good deal, man. Good deal. Well, hey, as I said, thank you so much for your time, man. I really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, man, we're looking forward to, to seeing some great things from you and uh, continue, you know, continue putting in that work and hustling, man. And uh, yeah, I know it'll pay off for you. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on.